Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. David Eichholz, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. Sean is still in Indianapolis. I have returned to Iowa City after a couple of very, very eventful days at Big Ten Media Days. And uh, I, I apologize for the lack of podcasts the last couple of weeks. I, I had to get uh, my wisdom teeth out, so I was just bad for a while. But uh, we're back at it. Football season's coming up. Again, Sean, appreciate you staying an extra day to – to talk to Purdue and, and Wisconsin and a couple other teams, but uh, Sean, no, no lack of uh, of storylines coming out of this media day. Yeah, I mean, definitely a couple of notable things that came out of it. I think a lot of people, you know, I think this is one of the ones where we kind of got more out of it in a way. I mean, I know there's a lot of things that you kind of expect, but I mean, I thought it was interesting talking to you know Kevin Warren. I thought it was interesting talking to or hearing from a number of coaches throughout the big 10 and to hear what kind of their teams have. And I mean, I guess with local media, um, you know, we had media availability a couple weeks ago, but I think these kind of events give us really, they allow us to really dive into more of the players too, a little bit. I think a lot of people focus on the coaches, but I think these types of events when it comes to players are, are really important because we can sit down and really talk to them and really get to know them. It seems, I know a lot of reporters from that cover other schools seem to come up and, you know, take over sometimes with questions and stuff. But I think it's really valuable that we get you, we got to spend time with a number of these guys and dive into a little bit more. And I guess, you know, I think there were a couple of things that were cleared up too, that I feel like were, were kind of left behind. So, I mean, Dave, what would you kind of find out that you really thought was interesting or some things that you really picked up on or, you know, really notable yeah. things? Yeah. I mean, I think a couple, obviously we need to talk about the two season injuries that Kirk already confirmed. I had heard kind of it through the rumblings that Justin Britt was hurt. I didn't know the extent of it, but Justin Britt, who I think would have had a shot at starting at offensive guard or at least been a rotational guy, he's going to miss this season. He still has complications from his knee injury. They suffered his senior year of high school. So really talented kid, really good kid as well. Really good family who have totally embraced. I think the Iowa community just a really sad story there with, with what he's going, but he's going to be out for the season. And then Jackson Ritter, who I think we heard throughout spring training, spring, spring training, I mean, spring camp, uh, Sean, that he was a guy that was at least getting rotational snaps, a wide receiver doing some really good things. And it feels like whenever we've asked about the top wide receivers, Kelton Copeland is immediately thrown in Jackson Ritter. So is Kirk Ferentz kind of in that group as well. So you know, the wide well, it was, receiver. It was important. It was important to note, Dave, before you keep going, that Ritter was out for a decent amount of the spring, too. I mean, had he been healthy, probably would have been more in the conversation, but he was out for a, a decent portion of the spring. I know this. Uh, I mean, everybody was for receivers. I mean, there were times only had four receivers practicing right now. But I mean, that was, again, that was a guy, Sean, where if he's healthy, he's probably getting snaps this year. So now they got to continue to look. Uh, obviously, Alec Wick, I think, is an intriguing name there. And, you know, I don't think he's been given that too deep spot, Sean. That's another guy that 
I thought it was a really good preferred walk-on pickup. I think you said the same thing when he committed and you were impressed with his film. So we'll see if he can end up doing anything there. But, you know, I think that was a big thing. And I, I guess just, I was very surprised, Sean, when it came to Kirk. He's just gotten so much more outspoken these past couple of years. I think he knows that, you know, who knows how long he's going to be coaching, but for him to go on the record and say he's very worried about the direction of college football, not shy away from any questions. I mean, this is a guy where, you know, he doesn't care anymore. He's going to say his real opinion about things, and he is worried, and I think a lot of people agree with him. I think there's too much changing too fast, and again, a lot of national reporters really flocked over to Kirk during that, and I mean, his breakout session that usually lasts an hour we probably only got three or four questions actually about the team. The entire question for him was just on the landscape of college football. But another thing, Sean, is Kayvon Merriweather might be the most fun, one of the most fun interviews that we have at Iowa. I mean, and at least that I've covered, he, I can't wait for people to see some of the features I'm going to do on him over the next few weeks or so, but very guys, I think he's just really stepped up as a leader and, you know, I think something that's notable for him, Sean, as far as on the field goes, he's the only member of Iowa secondary last year that did not get a postseason honor uh, by the Big Ten Conference. So that's something that's really driven him going into this offseason and into this season that he knows he has an opportunity and he's got all the athleticism in the world and he's got the leadership. So it'll be intriguing there. And I think another thing, obviously, we've talked a lot about Xavier Wampa, but I'll tell you, Sean, people keep. I keep hearing things. I'm sure you keep hearing things and they're going on the record, continuing to praise Xavier. And I know he wasn't on the two deep. I would tell people I have a very hard time believing that he's not going to be on the two deep by the time the first week of the season comes around. If he has a really good fall camp. Yeah. I'm, I'm more on the safer side of it. I'm going to be more conservative with that, with that take. I think maybe not, you know, first week of the year, but I think maybe on maybe mid season or somewhere around there, but, I think one of the things that, I mean, we got the depth chart too. That's kind of a yearly tradition that we get the depth chart um, right before media days. And obviously you don't want to look too much into that stuff, but, and I mean, even Kirk admitted it, but I do, I do think it gives us a pretty good idea of where things are at right now at certain positions. I think there are a couple of spots where things might still be up in the air. For example, I mean, the kicking competition, Aaron Blom is listed as a starter. Yep. That one's still pretty neck and neck. Um, center, I think Logan Jones is going to take over that spot, but Kirk wasn't shy to say that maybe Michael Mislinski could factor in there had spring, you know, had he been able to participate in the spring and then um, part of the fall as well. Tyler Ellsbury's in the mix. I think most of that, I think that right tackle spot, Jack Plum seems to be the one that's, that's taken it, but, I think Nick DeYoung maybe could maybe could have a say. It's just a matter of, you know, Iowa just wants to get one guy that can take that spot over and really, really secure it and run with it. Um, the cash position, I think Cooper DeGene has that pretty pretty locked in. I'm interested to see what happens at that second cornerback spot with Jamari Harris and Terry Roberts, yeah. two guys that the Iowa staff really, I mean, preferably would love to have both of them on the field. But de- depending on, you know, defensive sets and defensive packages, I think, two cornerbacks is probably the route that Iowa will go with with that as they've done in years past. So those are kind of the ones that I'm, I mean, obviously, and then you mentioned the wide receiver floor. I think Alec Wick, you know, I mean, he's a good, he was a really good take for Iowa as a walk-on. Could have been a scholarship guy had it been a normal recruiting cycle. Um, he was the state, he, has, he holds the state career record in uh, 
receptions and I think he's third in receiving yards. Yeah. Which I mean, the state of Iowa, it's not known to be a, a state that throws the football that much. And when you have a guy like Ashton Cook as your quarterback, who's now at Iowa State and who's done a pretty good job in that room, you know, it surely helps. And Wick's soccer background too is really important in his development. So those are kind of ones that I that I've kept an eye on. I met I put some on our board earlier this week too. Um, I put the third running back position because I think Caleb Johnson or Devin Hilson could contribute there. Um, there are little kind of spots that I that I think could be filled in as well. But I mean, I think the depth chart was probably one of the more impactful things that we got from media days. And I also thought that Kirk's quote on John Bumeyer, the new quarterback yes. analyst for yeah. Iowa, was also really really. Like I've never really heard Kirk talk so high. I mean, he's talked really highly of the coaching staff, but I've never seen him talk so highly about someone like that. Cause I mean, but I mean, as if you followed along on our site, getting Boomer, I mean, the that was the reason why for his hiring was because Brian Ferentz wanted him. Brian knows the game, he knows the offense, but he's not fully aware of all the ins and outs of coaching the quarterbacks. And Ferentz, you know, mentioned before that Iowa went after went after Bootmeyer once, um, didn't get him, went after him again, got him. And he's really, you know, as Kirk said, a gift from heaven. And, you know, that's pretty high praise. Obviously, you got to see the results on the field. But I think with the way that Kirk talked about John and his role and how he's helped out Brian, because um, like I said, Brian was the one that wanted to get him on staff. And that's been a really important addition for this Iowa staff and preferably Brian, I mean, because everyone seems to be on the same page. Everyone's clicking. Boomer is really, really smart when it comes to that sort of stuff. And it really seems to be paying off from what the coaches and from what the players have seen. So that was definitely really encouraging to hear that. No doubt. I, I, I agree with you on that. And, you know, I think the thing that's interesting to me when you, when you kind of re-listen to these comments, and I may go back through and listen because we dig in a lot of stuff, so I'm trying to car, uh, compartmentalize a lot of what was happening. But I was very surprised to hear Kirk seemed pretty optimistic about the offensive line. That's something that really captured my attention. I think Logan Jones get going with ridiculous high expectations just because of the parallels between him and Tyler Linderbaum. I don't think that's going to be completely fair, but I expect Connor Colby to continue to take a step forward. And I think again, the, the line as a whole combined with Iowa's running scheme combined with who they have at running back. I think Iowa's running game is going to be much more consistent and just hearing Kirk talk about the quarterbacks. I mean, I think you have to take that with a grain of salt. He's going to stick by his guys, but there's no doubt that he seems pretty optimistic about, Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla. He said it's an open competition, but I think Sean, you and I both know that it'll be a huge upset if if Spencer Petrus is not the starting quarterback come week one. I think he's hands down the favorite going into this season. I think Alex Padilla will have a shot, but I do think that's Petrus's job to lose, I think, at this point. But they seem pretty optimistic about the defense, the running game, the passing game, it's gonna be up in the air, but you know, talking to Sam Laporta and Kirk, there are a lot of parallels between what those two said. They just said there's so much on film that people don't really see. And the only thing they really want to focus on this year is just have, you know, take advantage of the makeable plays. I mean, there are times where I think Petrus did get too much criticism because the play was blown up before. I mean, it's not his fault. If he has drops back after a play action. He's already got two guys in his face. That's not necessarily his fault. That's just the, the play didn't work out. So I always got to drop less passes. 
Sam Laporta needs to continue to be a reliable receiver, specifically over the middle. I mean, there were times last year where a couple of Petrus's interceptions weren't exactly his fault, Sean. They just bounced off Laporta's hands, and it was almost like a tip drill at that point for the defense. So and I think he needs to continue to catch the ball over the middle. I think they need to get a little bit more creative to get the ball to Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce, because with Iowa's lack of wide receiver depth, they have to utilize those guys. And, you know, I think an underrated X factor with this team that I think is even more important now, Sean, it's Nico Regani. I don't think people are talking enough about what Nico Regani has to be with this team. He did admit a couple months ago that he was frustrated at times last year, not getting the ball. And, you know, going into his quote unquote final year, he said he needs to have a big year with Iowa's lack of wide receiver options with where they want to go with the way the schedule works out. Nico Regani has to lead this young wide receiver court because it's pretty crazy, Sean, that two sophomores are being relied upon being the quote unquote veterans of the room because of how much playing time that they're getting. Nico Regani, I think, is definitely going to become one of the most important Iowa players this season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. And I think, you know, a lot of people talk about Arlen and Keegan and for the right reasons. I mean, those guys were two of the more explosive players in the Big Ten last year when they got the chance to get the football. And I was talking to Joey Wagner of our Illini Inquirer site last night when we were at Top Golf at, with the rest of the 24 7 guys. And he was saying if there were two young guys in the league that he would put on that Illinois roster right now, it would be the two sophomore wide receivers for Iowa. Obviously, it's a case by case basis with each team in the Big Ten. But I mean, from an outsider's perspective, those guys are really, really like a lot of people are really high on them. And when you have those types of receivers, when you have those types of weapons, Really, for the first time since, you know, Marvin McNutt and even like DJK and some of those yeah. guys with with those types of capabilities, then you have to use them. You have to find a way to use them to your advantage. And I think Sam LaPorta is going to be huge for the Iowa team for Iowa this year. I mean, we saw last year how much Peaches loved throwing him the ball. And I mean, for the right reasons, because LaPorta is one of the best tight ends in college football. But you need to get some of those plays on the outside. And obviously, I think with the offensive line this year, hopefully improving that's going to be more more of a thing or more of something that Iowa can do and execute. Like we said before, there's so much that has to go right with a play to make it possible, especially when you have a quarterback like Spencer, who's not very mobile, but I mean, has a pretty good arm, has a pretty good arm. And, you know, a lot of people say that a lot of what he does is, or what does wrong is between the ears. And, I mean, I was talking to Aiden O'Connell as well, the Purdue quarterback, and he was saying that Spencer gets, Spencer gets a lot of heat for, stuff that you know he can't really control I mean obviously he's got he knows he's got to make some of those extra passes he knows he's got to you know execute better but he's a smart football player it's just a matter of you know it's it's an entire unit that has to execute and I mean I know Petrus like quarterbacks are always going to get the blame for stuff that goes wrong but I mean they're going to always going to have you know the tip of the cap to them whenever they do something right and I think Petrus, this, I think this is the year. I mean, I think this, I think there's more, I think I've heard more optimism 
about Spencer Peters, not just from, you know, people inside the Iowa football program and obviously what we, what we heard the past two days, but I think just, you know, nationally too, there seems to be more of a, I mean, I think it's kind of split, but I think I've seen more optimism than I maybe I have in the past. And I don't know if that's just because Petrus is a year older or, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I would say too. I don't like the phrase when people talk about Petrus that it's just between the ears. Because like you said, Spencer is incredibly intelligent. He knows the offense. He knows football. And when you say that, when people say that, I – I just don't think that's an accurate assumption. And I've always defended Spencer's arm. I think the arm talent is there. It's apparent. Yes, the viral video of him throwing, what, 70-plus yards perfectly to a receiver down the field. I think Spencer's biggest problem is when he gets pressured, he gets out of his mechanics incredibly quick. And when he gets out of his mechanics, he panics, and bad things happen. And, again, at times it wasn't his fault last year. I mean, there's no excuse for Iowa to have uh, two touchdown passes from October 9th to January 1st. And that was both in the Minnesota game and both came from Alex Padilla. There's no excuse for that in the Big Ten. You're a 10-win team. You were up to number two in the country. Like, it's a passing world. We're living in the passing era of college football. But Petrus knows football. Again, he knows the offense. He has the arm talent. But it got to a point last year when the offensive line struggled, Sean, he just started seeing ghosts. You know what I mean? Like he would panic when there was no reason to panic. And there are times where you and I were watching him from the press box and the play wasn't even blown up yet. But you could tell there was just an edge about him. You're thinking, OK, something's about to happen. Like you and I would look over at each other like it's, you know, talking to each other. It's, it's about to happen. Then bad things would happen. But if he can just stay true to his mechanics If Iowa's offensive line can be better. And, you know, at the end of the day, Sean, running the football more consistently is going to absolutely help Iowa. Tyler Goodson, with all due respect to him, was a great player for Iowa, dynamic in the open field. Iowa needs one thing. They need consistency. They need five yards of carry. They don't need these big game-breaking things. They want to control the clock, and they need to be able to just grind you out and wear out the teams. That's how Iowa's going to play their best football this season. So with Gavin LaShawn coming out with Iowa's improved offensive line, I think that definitely could help them uh, going forward. And I think that's going to take, take a lot of pressure off Petrus going forward. So, again, I don't like the between-the-ears talk. I don't. I think it's a little – again, I don't want to say ridiculous, but I think it's unwarranted because, again, when you talk to him – he definitely knows the game of football and it, it just, it will be interesting to see how he kind of handles himself this year. And I mean, like we've said, Sean, there's no leash this year with Brian Ferentz being quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator that people aren't looking for improvement. They're looking for immediate improvement from week one. Is that fair? Maybe not, but can you blame them for wanting that? No. First pass of the season is going to be an omen for the rest of the season. That's how that's how things are going to go. The first pass against Oklahoma State is going to be how Iowa fans believe, and I mean even the media too, how we believe the season is going to go offensively. There's going to be no improvement, no like, no decline. Like it's just going to be whatever that first pass is. It's a 15 yard gain, 20 if it's an out route, it's a check down, it's incomplete, it's an overthrown pass, like. Whatever happens, that's going to be that's going to be how the season is going to be described. 
And is it fair? No, I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. But yeah. again, we, we have a lot of content at HawkeyeInsider.com. We're going to continue to churn out coverage from Media Day. I don't even want to know how many articles we've done, Sean, in the past <laughs> couple of days, probably hovering around 20 at this point. Uh, and we'll talk more about Media Days and kind of what we've heard. But this is just sort of our, in, I want to say instant reaction, Sean, but this is like with our brains running on fumes and we're at about 5% energy level. But we, you know, we felt like we had to at least get something up. There's still a lot to digest. I mean, we have full position previews already up at the site, but we're going to make that make that into a podcast form as well. There really is just plenty of things uh, to continue to talk about. And I will say again, I think something else that's worth bringing up, Sean, is Purdue coach Jeff Brom was asked directly about Charlie Jones transfer, and he did not answer that question. <laughs> And, and yeah. I don't blame I don't blame him for not like I I really don't, but I just found it very funny that he was asked directly like oh how did that come about and he said oh we lost receivers we were just evaluating things and this is why Charlie is gonna be so good for us, and but you could yeah. tell once once you know a lot myself and a couple other Iowa people put out that quote people were not going to be happy whatsoever with that. Yeah, I spent some time with uh, Aiden O'Connell today, the Purdue quarterback, and. He got a lot of Charlie Jones questions, a lot more than Tyrone Tracy. I mean, rightfully so, because him and him and uh, Charlie go way back to their days and in the Northwest Service of Chicago, Buffalo Grove. You know, Aiden was going through all the all the teams that him and Charlie played for and how they kept in touch and didn't go to the same high school, but kept in touch. Um, play, I mean, text each other throughout their college careers, whatnot. And when Charlie entered the transfer portal, like. I mean, I, I don't know if Aiden reached out. Aiden reached out to him. Not sure. I bet he did in some regard. And he was asked about Notre Dame too. And Aiden said that Charlie had a lot of interest in Notre Dame, but Purdue seemed to be the right fit for him. And that offense is going to be going to be interesting because Aiden O'Connell. I mean, I don't think anyone could have projected this. Whenever he started that one game, I was it. Which game was it where he started as as a sophomore? Because he was like the fourth or fifth string quarterback. Yeah, was it I'm Indiana? To, it might have been. I'm gonna have to go back and look. But I mean, Sean, he's unquestionably the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. Unquestionably. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's not saying a whole lot. No, so. it's not. I mean, we'll see how Casey Thompson does at Nebraska because he could be really good as well uh, with that yeah. system. But the, obviously, Nebraska's receivers are very much up in the air, which is a little bit weird. But. You know, I will say as much as crap as people want to give Charlie Jones for transferring and all that, Sean, if you talk about the right fit and for what Charlie wants to do offensively, I mean, he's exactly right. I mean, it is a perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, with Purdue losing David Bell and Milton right to it, it only makes sense that that would be that would be a spot. I mean, and Aiden said it's going to be more of a committee this year. It's not going to be one specific guy that, is going to be the guy like it was last year. I mean, they had a couple other pieces too, but I mean, it was clear that David Bell was going to be the number one target. And I mean, with Charlie Tyrone, I think this Purdue offense, I mean, if they, I mean, they're known for throwing the football, they have King Daru coming back, they're running back who is like built like a truck, yep. but they, they're going to rely on throwing the football. And I mean, you can't play. I mean, I, at the end of the day, obviously I know there's a lot of stuff going around what really happened behind the scenes, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, Purdue, they they know. Like, I mean, Charlie was getting touchdown passes from Aiden since third or fourth grade. Like, 
yeah. the chemistry is there. And while that was a long time ago, but I mean, Purdue, Aiden said it, it's like, we're, we're going to throw the football. Like there's no doubt about that. Like we'd like to get a more consistent running game, but our, our MO is throwing the football. And yeah. I mean, Charlie sees that. And obviously with Iowa's passing struggles the last few years, it made a lot of sense for him to go there. So can't blame him. Obviously a lot of people are going to be critical of it and, you know, you can kind of have your own own opinion of it, depending on what you know. But at the end of the day, it's going to be that's going to be a fun matchup. That's going to be a lot of fun. That that matchup in um, West Lafayette is going to be it's going to be pretty rowdy for sure. I will say my way too early prediction: Iowa will be Purdue this year. I think with all the offseason drama, there's going to be so much extra juice going into that game. Iowa's not going to say anything on the record. I wouldn't expect them to. But Sean, you know better. You know as well as I do. They're going to go into that game looking for blood. Like Iowa is going to want to go in there and absolutely whop them. So it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about the Big Ten West as the season can, you know, approaches. I mean, again, I got to go back through all my interviews and we can have more of a discussion about media days because, again, there's just so much information. There's so many moving parts. There's so many things going on. And I think we'll dive a little bit more into the depth chart as well because while you know, obviously, like you said, it's important not to overanalyze it. Everyone's going to overanalyze it because as much as he says, it doesn't matter it, a lot for the most part, it does for the most part it does obviously cult positions are very fluid, but I mean, it's, it's very clear. I think that uh, that's going to matter this year. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. It's going to be, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those ones are maybe most of them are locked in. I think I did a pretty good job of putting which ones are still up in the air, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see indeed. But yeah, I mean, again, uh, David, I Colt Hawkeyeinsider.com swarmcast 24 seven sports. Hawkeyeinsider.com is the place to be again, the most in-depth coverage of Iowa athletics and Iowa big 10 media days. So much content on our site. I would carve aside at least a few hours if you're trying to read everything and, you know, absorb everything because that's all Sean and I have done the past couple of days. It's just been writing. And uh, it, it was good to see everybody again, though, Sean. It was good to get back to Indianapolis. And it was good to, uh, you know, now it, it's really starting to feel like football season's around the corner. Like this is the time where it really starts to get in. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be heating up here soon. I mean, we have local media day coming up. That's always good to talk with more players. We only got yep. three during the ones in Indianapolis. And then you get assistant coaches too. Those are always really good interviews and it's going to be, yeah. I mean, there's going to be no shortage of content, no shortage of stuff going on, no shortage of, you know, stuff that we'll have on the site. And obviously online, there'll be a lot of things preview season starting to pick up too. And, you know, it's, it's a good time. It's starting to really feel like football season. That's hard to believe because I feel like it just ended like, yeah. five, like two days ago. You know, I will say too, uh, just for fans, mark your calendar. So again, local media day is August 12th. And then the next day, Saturday, August 13th, there's going to be a, I think what they call it, kids day, which is the open fall practice. So if you want to be able to go that and see that, be sure again, August 12th, just to say locked into HawkeyeInsider.com and August 13th, if you're looking for Iowa Kids Day stuff. But again, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon and uh, we'll continue to recap everything that we've heard from Indianapolis and more.
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.